0: Started this morning uh, Romans chapter 12 uh, we are just gonna pick up where we left off last week and uh, we're down now in verse number nine and uh, again we're in this second area of our reasonable service and it's our serving the church the body of Christ it's our serving one another and uh, this area is really very we're in the second half of it if you will from 9 to 16 and it is very straightforward and it's going to be quick verse 9 let love be without dissimulation abhor that which is evil cleave to that which is good be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another not slothful in business fervent in spirit serving the lord rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation continuing instant in prayer distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Very quickly. Now, we're not going to go through it that quick, obviously, okay? So, Because it starts here in, with this issue about let love be without dissimulation. And again, our reasonable service and our functioning within each other and with our serving, it really comes off the foundations of verse 1 and 2. That's why we spent four weeks dealing with verse 1 and 2. Because in verse 1 and 2, there's the foundation. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And at this point in in Romans, at this point in your edification process, you do not understand what the will of God is. Now, what is the will of God? He would have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You are just justified, and you've just learned your identity truths. So now what Paul's going to do in 12 through 16 is he's going to deal with what the will of God is. And again, I know people use that good and acceptable and perfect, and they say it's the three stages. No, it's not. That issue there, we talked about good, and that it, the will, doing the will of God is a good thing to do, okay, acceptable, because it it's good, it matches the plan, it matches the purpose, it matches our identity, then by faith we accept it and do it. And its ultimate goal, the perfect there, is the issue of instilling maturity in the believer. So when he talks about that issue there, he's not talking about you got to go through the three steps. And I know religion teaches that and Christianity teaches that because what are they doing? keeping you under their thumb so they can say, well, you're not ready to graduate from the good part yet, so you need another few years there. No, you, your reasonable service. So what is the will of God concerning my reasonable service? And the first section, 3 to 16, has to do with our interaction. The second area, by the way, the first area is that issue about being acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We have a reasonable service unto God. And that is the presentation of this body as a living sacrifice, transformed, who we are, coming out. How do I know who I am? Romans 6, 7, and 8. Who am I not? 10, 11, and 12. Here I am. This comes out of me. Be not conformed to this world. The world doesn't define who I am. All right? I know out there in the world, everybody tries to get their identity from the world. No. Who am I? I am Rick. I drive a school bus when I drove a school when I drive a school bus, I'm married, I got kids, I do. But who am I? I am the, I'm the Son of God. See, I'm an adult in the family. I'm, and I'm to live that way, transformed, it's that picture is that the transfiguration of Christ. Real Him coming out, the real you coming out. So then in verse three through 16, it starts in verse 3 there. For I say and though the, uh, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think. Now here's the will of God, here's the will of God in our reasonable service to one another. And what are we doing? Well, we're learning some things. By the way, reasonable service simply is when we with deliberate, well thought out, purpose, apply the sound doctrine learned. We've allowed the truth to change us. It's transformed us by the renewing of our mind. It isn't that this is a natural bent. When I drove, a, <laughs> I was driving my bus, we had a bus meeting and uh, I had to meet with the supervisor afterwards and we were talking and she was doing my uh, yearly evaluation. And she goes, do you have anything to say? I said, yeah, I really don't like kids. And she goes, you do what? <laughs> what are you doing driving this? I said, well, I drive it because it's paycheck, but I really don't like kids. So if you got a route with no kids on it, I'm, I'm up for it. And she goes, oh, would you just quit and go away? You know, and, but that's, that, it isn't a, the natural thing. It's the, what is reasonable, well thought out, well-purposed, well-planned, well-deliberate. P- this is what I'm going to do. So in 3 to 5, we find out about this wonderful thing called a body. First time body's ever been talked about. 6 to 8, how are we going to minister in the body? What's our attitude? And that, that's that issue there of the gifts we looked at last time. In, in ch- chapter 12, he doesn't tell you how you get the gifts. He doesn't tell you why you got them. He tells you the attitude you have in the service of. When we looked last time at 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, and how the, all that ceased, it's been replaced by the, by the completed word of God. Now, in 9 through 16, here's our reasonables, here's the will of God concerning our reasonable service and in our interaction more one with another. And how are we going to relate with each other? And I'll be honest with you, it's not complicated. It's actually very clear. It's very straightforward. We're to recognize that we are to relate to each other, and it has to do with with understanding. Verses 9 and 10, specifically. Verse 9, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection to one another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. I, see that issue about love without dissimulation? And then we have this brotherly love, so the, our life together is built upon the issue of love. Our, relation, our interaction with each other is held together based upon this issue of love. And again, as we go through this morning, we're not talking about oh, you know, love and huggy, kissy, moochie. We're talking about that, about that mental attitude. Verse 3, how are we to think? Verse six, 16, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. How do I think about this? How am I working? Wednesday night was my message in Chicago, and I went off of Romans 4.17 about how God calls that which be not as though it is, and that mindset that we're to have, that divine, godly mindset as we go through and as we take the sound doctrine, learn that we come over here and then we apply it to the details of life. Your life, Keith was just telling me he got his, Catalytic converter stolen off his truck. You know what? That's life. How do I interact with it? How do I react? How do? What do I do? First thing you want to do is what? Find the guy down and shoot him. Why? Because you 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 feel violated. Your stuff's gone. Well, okay, that's a normal natural. But how would you? How should I feel? Well, you're gonna get that feeling through, and then you're gonna take ten breaths and call Debbie. What do I? You know and let her know, right? I mean, I'd have been calling Linda. Hey, you know, but the thing is, is eventually what that reaction gets shorter and shorter as the doctrine learned begins to work in you. That's the idea. It doesn't say you don't have the reaction because we're all people. But we shorten that reaction down. And then we go right on into, I would like to love this guy right upside his head, you know, type of thing. All right. So when we talk here, you're not going to understand 9 through 16 unless you have this proper understanding of this very fundamental truth of verse 9 and 10, uh, this issue about love. And so we're going to look at 12.9 this morning about let love be without dissimulation, and then we'll look at 12.10 about the brotherly love as we go uh, along. When you talk about let love be without dissimulation, dissimulation. Dis- that word, dissimulation, uh, we usually you'll hear, some, you'll hear them say hypocrisy, a hypocrite. That is, it's to pretend. It's to disguise. It's not genuine. It's not the real thing. So let love be what? Without it. Now, I'll tell you right now, that means it can be what? With it. With the fakeness, with the hypocrisy. And we're not to have that. We're, the challenge here, the type of love that we're to express is the type of genuine love. It is to be without dissimulation. We are to truly reflect, truly resemble, truly be all of that. And not love as by, really described at, by the world. How does the world, worldly love is built on a performance-based acceptance system, isn't it? As long as you're doing what I'm telling you to do and want you to do, then guess what? You're good, but the moment you don't, now we got some, so I'll love you as long as you're what? Loving me, and as soon as that breaks, man, then we're at it, and that's that's the hypocrisy. That's the, that's the the dissimulation. It's not the genuine thing. So, true love divine love genuine love has all to do with reflecting the, the, the reflecting the way that how does god value and esteem you then that's how i'm going to reflect that i'm going to take that sound doctrine learned and i'm going to reflect it out over here as i interact with everyone else and follow that so when we talk about love We're not talk. It's not that emotional thing here. Even the brotherly love is not the emotional thing. Now you can have the emotion in the love, all right, but it has to come from a genuine, true. Have you? You guys have all met people who say they love you and yet you know they don't. They're just using you. You understand that it's not genuine. You can feel it. Well, if it's got to start genuine, so then when it's happening. You know, there's a, Paul tells Titus, after the first and second admonition, you reject the heretic. He's a heretic, okay? So when you think about that, that means out of genuine love, what have you dealt with this heretic? At least two times. You're coming from a place of, I want you to grow. And when we get over in the weaker brother, chapter 14, you see that. Hey, this is coming from a heart of genuineness. And sometimes you have to be stern. You have to put your foot down, especially when it's about the doctrine. But here, this has nothing to do with the the emotion. The emotion does come. You know, it breaks my heart to see things happen to people that I genuinely love and care for in the ministry. Well, that, that's what we're talking about here. So it... By the way, it also has nothing to do with how worthy the recipient is. How, what makes the love of God so marvelous is that he died for you when you were his enemy. You were a sinner. You weren't his friend, and yet what did he do? Romans 5, he did what? He went and died for you. So we're not talking about, well, they're only worthy of my love when they're at church every Sunday. No, they're worthy of your love because of who they are. Where, in Christ, see, they're worthy of that. So the worthiness issue has to be jettisoned from our mind. It, our, we have to renew our thinking. Okay, now we're back to 12, 1, and two. See, so we're building off of this. We have to. It, it, we have to look at this and we say, you know what? I got to purposefully think this through. And the way that I'm going to, the way that we view, the way I'm thinking about it, the way I perceive things, is going to be the way that God values and perceives, perceives us. You hear a lot about agape love, agape love, okay? That's how they, agape love. Well, that's the valuing and esteeming the way God, okay? That's the Greek word and so forth. That's not the Greek word here, that's not, but it's still the same principle, that's why when, when you hear somebody talk about a guppy and philo, philo, the Philadelphia brotherly love, that's in verse 10. They get it all jobbered up because they want to sound important and like they know something, but in reality it isn't. It's the same. How do I value and esteem you? I have the same I'm Philippians two. You remember Philippians? 2? Look over there. Gotta remind you. Philippians two. Philippians two, verse three. Verse 2, Philippians 2, 2. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. There's the divine viewpoint, there's what we're going to do. So in chapter 12, now, verse 9, he's going to start. He says, Hey, let love be without dissimulation. Let it how can love be? It's possible for love to be fake, to be with dissimulation. Come over to G- Galatians chapter 2 and just notice some, uh, an illustration here of this. So that when, and, and it's, it's, a, it's interesting when you read Paul and how he uses the term dissimulation because he does use it in other places. And in Galatians 2, he uses it here. Galatians 2, verse 13. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas was also carried away with their dissimulation. They weren't genu- Peter and the guys weren't genuine. They were hypocrites. So that means you gotta get the context. So go back up to verse 11. What's happening here? Verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Paul's going to stand up to Peter publicly, openly, in front of everyone. Why? He's to be blamed. You see, Paul stands up against Peter to the face publicly, openly, because Peter is, did something very specific. He went against, sound doctrine learned, and Paul put him in his place, but he does it publicly, openly. He didn't pull Peter behind the closed door and say, hey, brother, you know, maybe you need to work. He did it, boom, and why? Because other people also were moved by Peter's activity. Verse 13, what happened? The other Jews with him, they got up too and left. What were they doing? Verse 12, for before that certain came from James, he, he did eat with the Gentiles. Here's what Peter did. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, now watch, fearing them which were of the circumcision. What did Peter do? Now James, that's the James from Acts 15, from earlier in the chapter, but James, he's the guy over there in Acts 21 that has all these guys zealous of the law. He's, he's a law guy. He's, he, he's le- he, he agrees in Acts 15, but now he's over here doing something else. So who showed up? Look at verse 12. Before that certain came from James. Here comes the law keepers. They show, and in the law, the Gentile and the Jew don't sit together. See? James has kind of let the ball drop in keeping the dispensational distinctives going. But the thing is, is Peter sees. Notice for verse 12. For before that certain came... Peter had come to understand that eating with the Gentiles was okay now. See that, okay? Peter had had direct revelation given to him by God in Acts 10 and 11 about, don't you call unclean what I now call clean. I'm doing something. Go to Cornelius and you do that. But he also had the, the in, in, in information given to him by Paul at the meeting. Peter understood that the Gentiles were no longer unclean. They were acceptable. They were considered to be clean. That's the sound doctrine learned. He's there. And yet, what does he do? As soon as the religious crowd showed up out of fear, which is what religion does, you know what they do? They intimidate you to fear. What did Peter do? He got up and moved away. So before... The guys from James showed up. What did he do? No problem. He's sitting there. He has his BLT with extra bacon. You always get extra bacon. Okay? Can't hurt there. You know? He, he's sitting there. He's got the BLT going. He's got the pork rinds with the little ranch dip going. He's, got, he's loving it. And then he sees the crowd coming down the road. He saw the van come around the corner. Uh oh. Hey, right, see you later, guys. And, he's, and what does Paul do? Well, Paul gets him. You're not being genuine here. You're not being true to the doctrine, Peter. Peter understood the truth, the truth that the Gentiles were no longer unclean and they were acceptable, that he was able to sit with them. Yet when the religious crowd showed up, he failed to stand in the truth he learned. He didn't stand there. Rather, he withdraws. So Peter's behavior caused him to do what? Violate the doctrine he had learned. His activity, his behavior doesn't reflect the truth of God's viewpoint of the Gentiles. So he violated his own understanding. So in verse 13, the impact of it... And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. Well, think about that. Who's Peter to these guys? He's their apostle. I mean, he's a leader in that group. And he may not be the leader because that's Paul's job, but he's still a what? He's still recognized as a leader. And yet, what happened? In so much that Barnabas was carried away with their dissimulation. You go back in Acts 15 and Paul and Barnabas have a big falling out over John Mark and all that, but there's also some underlining issues here that we learn that we're also going on there of the issue of some doctrinal understanding. Dissimulation. It just simply ref- refers to when our behavior, our actions, our activity, doesn't resemble or reflect the reality of what's true. We are to reflect. We are to... Present our bodies. We are to resemble what the truth says, but in our behavior, in our activity. You follow that? That's what, that's what let love be without dissimulation. Our activity with one another needs to reflect the truth that we have. Now, watch verse 14. But when I saw that they what, walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. See how Paul says that? I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not, I'm sorry, if thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Paul just takes him to task over what? Your activity isn't resembling the doctrine that you just learned. It's not matching up. And it's not where you need to be. Now, when you come back to chapter 12, Romans 12, you're in in Galatians, right? Um, Come over to 2 Corinthians 6. When he says in chapter... let love be without dissimulation. I am to love with the same level of love that God would have me love at. Again, how did he love you? But God commendeth his love toward you, and that while you were yet sinners, Christ died. You want to see the love of God, you go to Calvary. And what did he do? He doesn't hold any of it back, does he? He doesn't say, well, you're not worthy today. Come back tomorrow, you might be worthy. Oh, you're not worthy because you're not following every love. You're... You know, he says, "Here's what I did. It doesn't matter what the person did for me. It's rather my viewpoint. It needs to be based on the truth. So we're to love. So to love with dissimulation is to not care about the truth. Honestly, it's not. It's to come along and to react." based on how you are treated, not the truth, okay? So to love without the simulation is to love based on how God, how the truth would have you love and how it would have you interact. So notice 2 Corinthians 6 and notice verse 6 by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. Not unfeigned, real love. Not the fake stuff, not the fake it till you make it type of stuff. We were reminiscing about some of the older folks that used, they're with the Lord now so you can talk talk tales about them, and uh, how there was a lady that would come by and I knew her, and when Dad would teach and everything, and he knew there was a, there was a uh, great message preacher, but at every turn. I'm like, yeah, I got a few of those. I know that. I understand that. But, and, and Dad would like, yeah, I'd see her coming, and I'm looking for an exit strategy. <laughs> that, now, she wasn't being unfeigned. That's her, who she was. She was being genuine, okay. But she could never get off the yeah, but. <laughs> as long as I knew her, the, 20, year, the 18, 19, 20 years we knew her, yeah, but. Well, love by love unfeigned. I'm going to love you by the measure that God loves you by. Well, that requires me to do know what? That measure. How does he love you? Because how did he love me? I'm going to love you based on that, not based on how much I'm, I'm here to have, how, how much I'm to fulfill the lust of my flesh human viewpoint, have you pat me on the back if I do this and say that just right, everything's good. But rather, I'm going to love you based on how God loves you and how God interacts with you and how God thinks about you. Does that make sense? Okay? So let love be without dissimulation is really God's love. We can resemble his love. That's what the sound doctrine is designed to teach us. It's sound doctrine is designed to lead you to. Okay? Now, you're in 2 Corinthians. Come over to 1 Corinthians 13, because here's the big love chapter. Love. We're going to love everybody. Okay? And when you come in here to 1 Corinthians 13... Your Bible doesn't say love, it says charity, okay? And I want to spend some time looking here at charity and looking at the issue of love. Because you you got 1 Corinthians 13, look real quick at Philippians 1 and just get this in your thinking here and we'll come back to 1 uh, Philippians 1 in just a minute. But think about this in Philippians 1, look at verse 9, Okay? Because in Scripture, love and charity are not interchangeable. And I know what gets said out there, even amongst grace people, they're not. They're two different things, okay? Philippians 1, verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may bound yet more and more in what? Knowledge, and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere... See, there's that real, un, not, un, not dissimulation, without the okay, and without offense to the day of Christ. The end of verse 10 is you're the real deal all the way to the end. But notice it's love that your love may abound in what? Knowledge, there's the sound doctrine learned, and judgment, there's taking the sound doctrine and putting into action. Okay? So when we talk, now come back to 1 Corinthians 13. When he talks here about charity, he's not talking about learn, love is learning the sound doctrine and how to apply it. Charity is the action of the application of the love. Does that make sense? I've been working on that for a week now, how to say that. Because what you have is, is you, ha- you start with let love be without, dissimulation, and the end of the commandment is charity. Well, how do I get here? I have this, and I'm learning it. I'm sound doctrine learned. How do I take this and apply, and I get the there? Now, look at 13.1. Watch this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give, see that, give my body, present your body as a living sacrifice, I give my body, And though I, to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me not. Very strong language here. Actually, very clear. If I give my body, that's an action, isn't it? I'm presenting myself. And I don't do it with charity. There's no profit. There's no value in it. It's just me doing what? Look at me, look at me, look at me. What a great guy I am. Because look at what I'm struggling through. And there's a th- there, it, it's possible, by the way, for folks to do this. The folks at Corinth were doing this. For them to come along and <laughs> in 2 Corinthians he tells them, you, you just let that legalistic guy over there just come up there and slap you in the face. And then you ask him to hit you again. Now that's my you know, version of it. Physically, they were allowing these guys to come in and physically beat on them. And they thought that they were okay. Colossians 2, he talks about will worship and all that. And we're we're getting beat up for Jesus' sake. And it's like, no. That's not what charity is. It's not real. Real love is learning the sound doctrine, how to apply it, and then the charity is going. When you think about charity, what do you usually think about? Red Cross, Salvation Army. What do those places do? Now, I don't. I can't. Uh, the dictionary definition of charity is uh, something about being a benefactor or something, and I'm like, that doesn't sound. But what do, when we think about charity, what are they doing? Good, see. So. What I'm going to go do, charity is love in action. It's been described that way. Hey, this is what I'm doing, but I'm doing it not to get and gain. I'm doing it because I've come from a mindset over here of what the sound doctrine has taught me that I need to do that. That's why in Colossians it calls charity as the bond of perfectness, perfection. It's bound there. By the way, you don't just go to charity. If you do, you end up in human wisdom and human viewpoint and the operation of your flesh because what's driving the good is, divine, is not divine viewpoint. You, you follow that? you got to have this over here first to get to charity. So charity and love are two different things. Love is that mental attitude or the value system that measures uh, and and takes a sound doctrine and gets it and, and it looks over and says this is worthy because of this. Charity says, that is worthy. Now let's go do something. Okay. Now I took a lot and to make it little and because, so, all right. You got to. By by the way, you got First Corinthians thirteen. Hold on to it there. Just for a moment, run back there to Romans 12. Romans 12, look at verse 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. Notice, in honor, preferring one another, that's charity. Why do I prefer you over one another? In honor, preferring one another. Why? Because I've got my mental attitude adjusted properly, and now I'm walking this way. To get to you there. So when you think about charity, I hold you in the highest, love, sound doctrine, I hold you in the highest esteem. Now go back to 1 Corinthians 13. Okay? I hold you in the highest esteem. Charity says, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, I'm here, I'm a helper of your joy. I'll put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to practice what I preach. That's what charity is. I'm going to take the mental attitude of valuing and esteeming you, the divine viewpoint, the mind of Christ, and then I'm going to put it to work. And I'm going to put it into action. And the action is going to be in your life. That's why, starting in verse 4, notice charity. See that? So, that's an activity activity. Being kind, that's an activity. Envy, that's an activity. Charity vaunted on, is not puffed up, doesn't behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. It's, it's, it's all activity. Rejoice. That, those are activities that are to be driven by, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. A, a, the issues of the brotherly love. I have a mental attitude that the sound doctrine has transformed my mind and given to me because you know what we are? We're all equal in the body. That was what verse 3 through 5 was all about. Many members, I'm talking about chapter 12, okay, Romans 12. Many members, and yet what are we? One body. We looked at that stuff in, in 1 Corinthians 12 last time. About or the time before that, one of the times in the past. Okay, you just figure it out. What inferior uh, complex is not to be have? Superior complex is not to be. Why we're all equal? You can't get very far without a hand if you're trying to do something. But you need. But the hand says, "I'm just hanging out here." You know. No, you're you're important. You're one body. Many members, yet what are we? One. By the way, the many members, that is such a great thing about diversity. The world has a wicked view of what diversity is. Scripture diversity is, Roman, is 1 Corinthians 12. Is <laughs> what are we? We're one. We're one. But yet what do we have? We have different levels. That's why in a local assembly, it's good to have diversity. Why? Because we have people who've gone through life that are, and getting to the end of their life that can look back over and say, hang on a minute, I can do, we should be able to do this or, and, and have some input. The, the thing in the Old Testament with Israel and, and how they handled their senior citizens, the elderly, we don't do that in our culture, but we sure enough do it here. You, you listen. Why? Because they've been through life. And they might not have been through life totally and completely in the, in the sound doctrine, but they've still been through what? <laughs> life, you know. And when that happens and you sit and you, what is it, when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens? Or when Charlie Schwab walks in, okay, well, that's what you ought to have. Why, because you value that, why? Because God values that. I don't value that because you're such a great person. Or that you're my best friend and we're hanging out. I value you because of... And that's where the love, the mental attitude. But then charity says, let's go to work. So when you come through here, that's why 1 Corinthians 13 again. Look at verse 13. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three. The three marks... Well, let's finish the verse. But the greatest of these is charity. Why is the greatest charity? By the way, that is not saying that faith and hope are of less value. Okay? You you can never get to charity unless you have faith and hope. All right? They all work together in, in harmony. You can't have the one without the other. You know, thing one, thing two, thing three. You've seen those, okay, that's what it is. Because it takes faith, which is sustained by hope, and then charity steps in and causes you to get out of your comfort zone and activate that work of faith, the Word of God empowering your life, because you believe it. Then it moves into that patience of hope, a life sustained by hope that we have in Christ. And then that produces a, in Thessalonians, it's called a labor of love. There's the charity. That's a life motivated by gratitude for what he's done for us. And so it gets you out of your comfort zone and it activates that work of faith that that's, you've been building up inside of you. You know, you you read, you study, you read three chapters a day, you study, you, you come, you're here. I thank the Lord for you. And yet, charity just says you take all of that, and now let's go to work. You can't do charity unless you have this over here on board as well. So the greatest of it, see, isn't a situation of, of, well, it's, it's bigger and better than faith. And I know people take that. We've had folks that here that left, and their reason for leaving is because we were not very charitable. And my comment was, well, you're standing on some very weak faith then, because you got to have that ground. Come on over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. So charity... Is to put on display for all to see what faith and hope are trying to accomplish in your life. What's it look in my life? You come to my house, it's a little this way. You go to, uh, I mean, I think about it, you go to other folks' house, what is it? It's completely different, you know. In my house, the logical thing for the silverware is to be right there. In your house, it's over there in the cupboard, and you're like, what's it doing over there? I was just at mom and dad's. And I'm walking through the kitchen, and I'm like, all right, Mom, where's your, where's your cups? Because they used to be in that cupboard, and they're not there anymore. Now they're over here. Why are they over here? I, she goes, you know what? I really don't know why they're over there. But they are, you know. And I'm like, okay, you know. <laughs> I, I, why? We all, we all have different life. And yet what do we have? Faith and hope and charity. First Timothy 1 and verse number 5. Now, the end of the commandment is, okay, so what's the commandment? Verse 3. I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some. Here's the commandment. That they teach no other doctrine. Neither giving heed to fables or endless genealogy, which ministers questions, rather than godly edifying which is in faith. What? So do. Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, out of a good conscience, and out of faith. And there's our word again, unfeigned, dissimulation. Notice that. What is the end of the commandment? It's charity. But before you get to the end, what's the charge? Don't teach any other doctrine. Don't give in to the fables and the endless genealogies, religion. Stay with the sound doctrine learned. Godly edification. You're learning the doctrine. And what's the the end goal? The end goal is that issue of having a life that's demonstrating, putting on view for all to see the sound doctrine that we've learned. Pure heart. I love that. Pure, pure, Pure heart. Singleness of mind. Singleness of desire. Singleness of push. Paul says it in Philippians. He says, I, I want to just know him more and more and more and more and more. I count everything in my past as lost and burned up and dung. But I want to know him more. I want to know the resurrection. I want to know his righteousness. I want his righteousness to be my righteousness. Uh, pure heart. Good conscience. Your conscience is your... Is your checks and balances within you? Are you behaving properly? Are you following the doctrine? Paul says, man, I I got a clear conscience in this matter. I got a good conscience. My, my, My conscience is using the right information to measure my activity. Faith unfeigned. Again, there it is. It's the real deal. It's genuine. And the end of it is what? What's this goal? Charity that activity, the action, the movement, the the moving forward. So true charity has to be based upon sound doctrine learned. That's why Philippians 1, where we kind of started, verse 9, it's not based on how much I'm fulfilling my flesh. Okay? You know, it's wonderful to hear the, great message Rick good deal good de- you know what uh, it's like cool all right great woo pat myself on the back you know i can't even reach back there you know get me a stick whack 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 you know it's great to hear that and i and i'm not saying it's not genuine and i'm not saying it wasn't a good message but it's like but that can quickly go where to your head dad said one time some folk way back in the 80s some folks were arguing and with dad over doctrine, or oh, actually really wasn't even doctrine, it was a personality conflict, and, and he, the, 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 the guy was getting a following, and dad made a comment, I've always watched it, it's interesting to watch men who get a following, and watch their ego, their ego, uh-oh, and watch their, their flesh puff up, oh, pride, well I got 50, yeah, well, uh, and off they go. A gentleman this morning say hey that was a great message over the weekend over the week I appreciated it you know and uh, look forward to this morning so he's watching or will be watching and I said you know this is this thing of ours is very humbling because man once you figure one thing out there's another verse pop up and slap you right side up the head you know and it's like whoa okay <laughs> and you're in trouble why because Philippians 1 9 let your love be that your that, uh, I pray that your love may Abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Love without dissimulation is resembling God's love, and we can resemble His love because of the sa- that's what the sound doctrine is designed to teach us. It's designed to teach us love, the mental attitudes. Come over to First Thessalonians chapter four. When when we learn that, now we can go out and we can put it into action. We can take it, we can apply it in our life, and now as we go and deal with one another, what can we have with each other? Charity. But it starts with an understanding of sound doctrine learned. It doesn't just, it's putting the cart cart before the horse, and the horse don't even know how to pull the cart yet. No, you got to do what? You got to train the horse, right? You got to train you, you're the horse, I'm the horse. I didn't say cow, I said horse. And so that's what we're doing. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4. Look at verse 9. Watch Paul. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write anything unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to what? Love one another. Again, notice, taught. Paul's assuming, I mean, Paul's been teaching the Thessalonians Romans doctrine. He's not, Romans doctrine, he writes it, it's late in Acts. He's been teaching it since day one, and yet what does he say? You guys have been, again, taught of God. By the way, taught of who? Taught of God. Well, God didn't speak to the Thessalonians. I need you to love everybody. No, he, taught to, he talked to the Thessalonians through who? Through Paul. That's what Ephesians 3 says. I received it, and then the holy apostles and prophets get it by the Spirit. I get it, I write it down, the Spirit uses the word, the word written, and everybody gets it. So who's really been teaching them? Paul has, but, but it's taught of God. See. They've been taught, they take the sound doctrine, they renew their minds, they come over here and they apply it to the details of life. And you know what that produces? It produces a love without dissimulation. Come back to Philippians. <clears throat> I guess we won't get into 10 today. We'll get it next time. Look at Philippians 2. Philippians 2. So that's so as we begin to interact each other in Romans 12, and as he's going to now hit these quick points, it's based upon the issue of brotherly love. Let love be without dissimulation. Okay, It's based upon taking the sound doctrine learned of the 11 chapters, learning it, putting it into my inner man, and then taking it and applying it to, in this case, in Romans 12, 3-16, each other. Now we're going to take it, in 17, to the end, and we're going to apply it to the lost. Then we're going to take the same sound doctrine learned, and we're going to apply it to the government, Romans 13, 1. See? Then we're going to go over and apply it to the weaker brother. So you're t- it's the same, doc- the doctrine ain't changed. See? Now it's, here's how we're going to apply it here. Here's how we're going to apply it here. Here's how it's going to look like here. And by the way, this is the will of God for you. You do this, you do that, and you do that. Okay? okay. Now look at Philippians 2. Just a little bit more here, just for the sake of, just a little bit more. And we got five minutes, so. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy, bowels, that deep-seated area that's at the very core of your inner man, the bowels of the building, down deep. What's usually down deep at the bowels of the building? The foundation. Your very foundation. I can remember when I lived in Southern California, they had that big Northridge earthquake. And then they came in and changed some of the zoning and they had to put the buildings on those rollers. And they, had, they went in and I actually did work on this, the uh, police department. The police department, that's that big tall building, I think, downtown. I can't ever remember, it's been so long ago. I put all that out of my mind. It was a rough part of my life. But we were down in there and we had to help them jack the building up so they could get and then get their big rollers down and i was driving the dump trucks and stuff and helping them do all that and you know what? they they had to get and the guy kept saying now down in the bowels and everybody's like bowels and none of these guys knew what that but what is it the foundation fulfill ye my joy verse 2 that ye be like-minded see that fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. See, see that, that issue there about one mind and, and, the, and the, the joy? Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. You know, that's hard to do. This is hard. By nature, you don't do this. By nature, you're ready to... Be Keith, when he finds out, they took his stuff. <laughs> That's your nature. This stuff's hard. Why? Because by nature, it's not natural. It's not natural to look at that lost guy and say, you know what, I'm going to love you right up to the fifth. No, you look at him and say, I'm going to love you like Christ loved you and he died for you and you need to hear the gospel. And oh, by the way, the police are on their way because you stole my stuff. <laughs> but give them the gospel first and then tell them, no, I'm... You figure it out, you know. Give with one hand and take with I don't know. I, it's funny to me. I think about that's—it It's just because that's what needs to happen. They need to be accountable for their activity, especially illegal activity. Anyway, verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And again, that's not a natural thing. You have to learn to do this. You have to learn to let love be without dissimulation. You have to take the sound doctrine that you've learned, Romans 1-12, to 1-11, and and then you come over and you do it. Verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. We We have to think this way. And we have to let this way of thinking be what's demonstrated, what's reflected in our thinking. And come back to Romans 12, it's a choice that you're going to make. And that's where verses 1 and 2 come in. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the what? The mercies of, I want you to do this based upon sound doctrine learned. And you know what you have to do? You have to make a decision to do that and to have that be the dominating thought pattern in your life. So as we start 9 to 16, let love be without dissimulation. Be kindly affectionate one another with brotherly love. That issue of love, it isn't the mushy-gushy, huggy stuff. That's in the brotherly thing. And by the way, you can have that. There's nothing wrong with it, but don't call it something that it's not. Okay? Okay? I would hug everybody. I would, I love all of you guys. Affectionately, deeply, emotionally, I'm invested. You're okay? But at the same time, if you get out of whack, then what get out of whack? Get out of line. <laughs> I'm going to whack you. No. <laughs> you get out of line, what needs to come, by love come up and say, "Hey, look, this here's the doctrine that you're not doing and you need to do." It. That's the reproof and the correction. Okay? Now, we're going to pick up in verse 10 next time. Move down through. By the way, the end of verse 9, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. That's one of those little duh things. But you know what? We don't do that, do we? We usually, we, by nature, tend to drift to the evil. Okay? And he's like, don't do that. Let's drift to the good. By the way, what would be the good? Let love be without dissimulation. Verse 1 and 2 would be the good thing to do. Okay? All right, now, we didn't look at Ephesians 5 and walking in love and all that. You can look at that on our own. We'll look at it in the future, I'm sure, okay? But just know here, this little end of this section starts with that proper mental attitude towards other members because you got to have it because they're going to mess up. They're going to fall apart. They're going to let you down, and yet you've got to stay the course, okay? All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the folks that are here and their willingness to, to be instructed and to come and to listen and to learn. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.